from newstalkzb.co.nz. It's the Mike Hosking Breakfast with BNZ. Welcome to the rewrap for Thursday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking breakfast on Newstalk ZB and a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and this morning uh, the universal wage doesn't work. Uh, we've tried it. Well, somebody has. Uh, Amy Goldstein tells us why Trump won the election, basically. Uh, breakfast is good for you and bad for you. And snooker. Whatever happened to that? But before any of that, does a celebrity uh, advertising beer actually make you want to drink it? They've also decided that Eric Murray, because he's a hero of the young, should not be in his beer ads. Now, the ads celebrate a special moment in the star's life that involves enjoying a beer. These are good ads. I haven't drunk any more beer because of them, but the imagery is very, very clever. But the authority's job was made easy on this one because of the rule. You can't use heroes of the young. Interesting phrase, isn't it? To promote booze. And as interesting as the heroes of the young rule is, I doubt anyone can argue, of course, Eric Murray isn't one, a hero of the young, that is. But you can question, and I do, why there is such a rule. Does a does a 10-year-old look at Eric Murray and parrot him? Do they drink beer because Eric drinks beer? And if the answer is yes, doesn't that impinge on Eric's every move and ability to make a living as a retired athlete? And as a retired athlete, is he forever a hero of the young? Or is there a used-by date on that? And isn't the real issue around booze the abuse, not the celebratory aspect that they were trying to portray? Eric didn't say, boy, oh boy, it was a great night, we hit it hard, and did we wake up the next morning feeling it? He talks of a single beer in a celebration. Cars kill when they're abused, but we don't ban Eric or his ilk advertising a ute. Uh, The rule is the result of an angsty series of lobby groups who see alcohol in its every aspect as evil when it's not. A good debate is a balanced debate, and they've tipped the balance, and poor old Eric's a victim, and he doesn't deserve to be because he's done nothing wrong. And also, so the concern is Eric Murray endorsing beer will get young people to drink beer. How many young people actually have any idea or care who he is? You know, he's not on YouTube, is he? Anyway, uh, I love beer. Uh, the, the universal wage. The Finland's tried it, uh, and it was a disaster, apparently. Even without the universal income, we already have gone too far in this country, for example, with welfare. I mean, the generosity of welfare is such there is a lifestyle to be had on it. It is not limited, uh, although in theory it is, but when in reality it isn't, uh, there will be those that adjust their outlook and circumstances to meet their income, which is free and requires no effort on their part. Working for families is another good example. Communism by stealth, the National Party called it, until they got to government and realised it captured so many people that if they cut it, votes would vanish by the thousand. It's how governments capture you. If you get free money and think about working for families, uh, why do they have it? Think about working for families. Why do they have working for families? Why don't, why don't you just get to keep the money in the first place? Well, why do they take it off you and then give it back in credits? Because that makes you beholden to them. And you fear if you don't support them, they will take it off you. And that's the universal wage all over. It's free, but you're shackled. And so Finland has given it a go. First country in the EU to do so, so a lot of interest has been paid, not to mention the fact that they're Scandinavian, of course, which means everything they do is brilliant, socially speaking, but... It's a bust. They've seen it for what it is, a waste of time and money. The trial will not be extended. It hasn't worked. Why not? Because it was never going to. It's a socialist's delusion. So the good news is the fact it doesn't work is now a fact, 
as opposed to theory, and the upside of that is hopefully those who needed proof now have it, and that might include Top, who if they front back in 2020 might now turn up to the line with a slightly less batty series of policies to ponder. Now whether you consider his policies batty or not, uh, Trump... Uh, well, he managed to garner support of a sort of a forgotten part of America and that one in the presidency uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, here's a lady who's been studying uh, one town in particular in that area, Janesville. See, here's the interesting thing, because although it's a Janesville story and an American story, uh, it's also, I think, a global story in the sense that uh, we've gone through it here in New Zealand as well. Any small town that's reliant on a singular employer is vulnerable to the extent that the GM plant in Janesville produced SUVs. The moment the oil price went up, people don't want to buy SUVs. That then puts the plant in some jeopardy. Were people cognizant that the good times couldn't potentially last forever if you're so heavily reliant on a singular operator? I think that's a really good question. And uh, let me say that I completely agree with you that the story that um, uh, happened in Janesville, that played out in Janesville, uh, you know, over a period of years that I'm looking at, uh, really is a metaphor or a microcosm of what was happening in a lot of communities, as you say, both uh, within the United States and all over the place. And that's why I thought this was an important story to tell. Um, as for whether or not people expected that this couldn't last forever, you know, I think it was a mixed thing. This plant had been around for so long, and it was such an old auto plant, that there were these sort of hovering worries for a long time that it might be closed. On the other hand, because it hadn't been closed before, there was just real shock when it finally happened. And for years afterwards, I think there was a lot of denial in the sense that people expected that, of course, eventually, when the economy got better, General Motors uh, would reopen this plant and would find a new product for the people of Janesville who work there to manufacture. Mm. And that didn't happen. So I think you had this duality. Yeah, we, we sort of spent quite a bit of the morning as just setting people straight about things, uh, exposing some myths. Um, it, getting a lot of confusing information from a lot of studies these days. That's, that's an issue. Now, which is true? Which is true. Headline, is everything you've been told about breakfast a lie? Australian gastrosurgeon says skipping breakfast is the key to slimming your waistline. You heard it right. Skipping breakfast is the key to slimming your waistline. We should stop eating breakfast altogether. It is the least important meal of the day. Yeah, well, that's what our bloke last week told us about fasting. Right? That's right. That's on the 17th of the 4th publication on the 24th of the 4th, breakfast is the most important meal of the day if you're losing weight. Those who skip it in their hurry to get to work in the morning may end up piling on the pounds. The experts have long disagreed, but this is definitive. Alternative, 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 fact files. That's what you do. What do you, what, what do you believe? Is, is it the meal you skip or the meal you skip at your peril? What are you supposed to do? Well, I reckon you do what I do, which is I don't really eat breakfast, um, although I do have a large meal in the morning because by the time I get home from work, it is still some people's breakfast times, but it's, I, it's sort of my lunchtime, you know what I mean? It is weird that the fasting people say that breakfast is bad given that it's breakfast. Fast. 
Oh, it's a complicated world we live in. Sometimes it would just be nice to just sit back and watch a bit of mindless sport. Although some things aren't really sports, are they? You know, I did yesterday that was the most fun. I hadn't done done in about 20 years. I watched the snooker. Snooker's on at the moment. The World Championship of Snooker's on at the moment at the Crucible, the famed Crucible in Sheffield. There, there must be. I've never been to Sheffield, but my sense of it is this. There is literally nothing to do in Sheffield bar go to the Crucible and have some play some snooker. And the World Champions... And the last time I watched the snooker was Hurricane Higgins was there. And what was the guy from Scotland who was really good? His name was Stephen. Stephen Hendry? Was it Stephen Hendry? Very, very good World Championship. No, this is post-Steve Davis, of course. Steve Davis. Steve Davis. They were the names. Hurricane Higgins, Steve Davis. Steve, Steve Davis always had that sort of vampiric kind of yeah. translucent yeah. skin. Yeah. Well, he's hair. been indoors a lot. You always felt like if he actually went well, outside and stopped playing snooker, he'd exactly. just disappear in a pile of ashes. Well, I'm watching this thing, and, and the players these days, I've never heard of any of them. But they, funnily enough, they all look the same, use the same sort of hair grease, same poor choice in shoes, But so nothing's changed in that. But there is something... Do they still I, have a, a handle of beer while they play? No, it's sparkly water these uh, days. Chilled sparkly water. The whole game's gone. It's gone PC. But I, I, I remember once, I've only played on a full-size full snooker table once in my life, and it's a completely different experience from playing in the pub. If you think you're good in the pub, you're no good on a snooker table. The size of a proper snooker table, the weight of the balls and the accuracy required is something else. Again, you've really got to do it to work out just how useless you are to truly appreciate how good they are. And, and once I start, and I rolled the 11-year-old in, I said, look at this. And I yelled out last night. I went, oh, no. She goes, oh, no, what happened? What happened? I said, you dropped the yellow. She goes, oh. But I, I became engrossed. It's one of those sports you become engrossed in, and you can watch it for hours and hours on end because each game is the best of 19 frames. <laughs> each frame takes about an hour. It takes days and days. And the whole tournament, I looked it up because I thought maybe I'll go to Sheffield. Uh, but the whole tournament goes on for weeks on end. But they should bring back Pot Black is what I'm saying. Pot Black would be a ratings bonanza. Yeah, I used to watch Pot Black, and I, for the life of me, I don't know why I did. But I was enthralled. I think they managed to somehow generate an importance, uh, gravity to it. It was like we were dealing with world affairs. We were solving all the problems of the world. But like, like a world summit between these snooker players. Um, I mean, I, I might be overanalyzing it. It could have just been it was fun to watch people do things that you can't do. I am Glenn ZB. That was the rewrap for Thursday. We'll be back here again with the Friday one tomorrow already. Awesome. Awesome.